Today is the third Sunday after the Feast of Pentecost. We are now in the longest period of the church's liturgical year, the season of Pentecost. Pentecost, of course, referring back to that birthday of the church when the Holy Spirit came. So when we're in the season of Pentecost, we're in the spirit of we're we're in the, the time of the Holy Spirit, in which we are inviting the Holy Spirit to come and to do what the Holy Spirit does best, and that is to open our hearts and our minds that we will hear the teachings of Jesus Christ and be able to have the strength to follow them. This son this year we're going to have twenty three weeks of Pentecost. And that means that uh, for these 23 weeks, we're going to be instructed in detail about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it applies to our lives here and now and asking the Holy Spirit to come to us and help us to understand what Jesus has laid out for us in his saving gospel and to have the courage to follow those and like Paul was talking to the people in uh, in Rome not to be ambivalent with the faith uh, and to and to yo-yo back and forth between uh, belief and disbelief but to try to grow in in that faith and that's what we open ourselves up to in Pentecost to allow the Holy Spirit uh, to come and to come and to be with us because Jesus has given us a gospel uh, that is giving us the assurance uh, of salvation. And we have to be able to understand that gospel uh, and apply it to him. And Jesus doesn't mince words when he talks about the gospel and what that commitment means to us, unlike the, the, the world in which we live in right now. We live in a Madison Avenue-type world in which millions of dollars have been spent to try to attract you to, uh, to, uh, to send a message out to you that will grab your attention right away and then after they have your attention to put that little hook in there uh, to tell you the, the downside uh, of the things that they're trying to, uh, uh, to sell you and the things that they want you to, uh, to put your confidence uh, and faith in. Um, all of us at one time or another have received those unsolicited uh, little premiums that come in the mail that tell us that we have won a valuable prize. Uh, three days and two nights uh, in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Uh, absolutely free. And then after we get through the, the big picture and all of the big red letters that are there telling us about this wonderful thing, uh, then there's the disclaimer down at the bottom. It says, uh, you've got to supply your own transportation to get here. Uh, and once you get here, you've got to submit to a two-hour presentation on two different timeshares uh, that we want to try to sell to you. Uh, and that fine print and that little hook in there shows you that uh, it's uh, not such a big deal after all. And all of you, I'm sure, have seen what the automotive industry is running on television these days, uh, trying to sell the new cars to you. They are offering everybody absolutely um, uh, zero percentage rate and no payments until January of 2013. All of us should be driving brand new cars now. 
uh, with, a, with a deal like that uh, until we listen to the uh, uh, lower volume and fast-paced voice that follows after that uh, that give us the conditions. $5,000 down payment uh, and uh, uh, having to pass a, a credit check uh, and uh, not applicable uh, to all uh, the cars but just to a select number uh, and uh, also not available in all places. All of those conditions that come that take away the first message. Caveat emptor is the Latin phrase that the Better Business Bureau uses for its uh, motto. Caveat emptor. Buyer beware. Buyer beware of the sales pitch. Listen very carefully. And before you sign on the dotted line, know all the conditions and the small print and the exceptions that you are committing yourself to. That is so dishonest and it's so frustrating but we have taken it as to be just a part of life now. We become rather jaded because uh, we just think things that just seem too good to be true or exactly that, too good to be true. And nobody offers what they promise. Everything falls short. And we say, why can't they, instead of luring us like this, why can't they tell us the truth right up front? Why don't they tell us the downside of this uh, agreement that we are entering to, as well as the upside. Why don't they be totally honest and tell us everything about that? And so all of you there who feel that this is what you would like to see happen in our world, that we could be, uh, be told the truth right from the beginning, I've got wonderful news for you this morning. That's exactly the way Jesus Christ presents his gospel. He tells us the downside right up front. He's not trying to lure us into anything with false promises. Every promise he makes, he delivers on. But he also wants you to understand the cost of committing yourself to him. And that's exactly what we just heard in the gospel from St. Matthew. These are the instructions that Jesus Christ gave to his apostles when he sent them out to bring the gospel of salvation to people. And he told them that they had to be blatantly honest and candid right in the beginning and not lure people in with soft mush. Jesus said, tell them, if you're not willing to accept Jesus Christ before your own parents, you're not worthy of him. If you're not willing to put Jesus Christ before your own children, you are not worthy of him. And if you are not willing to put Jesus Christ 
before your own mortal life, then you are not worthy of him. He tells us the cost right from the beginning. And he's telling us that if you are going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you must be prepared to make him primary in your life. He must have the first place of love and commitment in your life. And it is the great tribute given to the natural connection that we have to family and, uh, and our uh, uh, desire to save our own life, which is a genetically uh, uh, instilled uh, commitment for us, nothing stronger uh, than the sense of self-preservation. Jesus is saying that's how valuable commitment to the gospel is. Now, he's not saying that if we accept him, we are going to end up losing our family or losing our children or losing our life. The chance of that happening is very, very nil. But he says, if it comes to that choice and you're not prepared to accept Jesus Christ before any of these other commitments in your life, you are not worthy of him. And you know, in the first 300 years of Christianity, that possibility became a real probability. Because for the first 300 years of the Christian gospel, it lived in contradiction to the teachings of the Roman Empire that said, if you were a subject of the emperor, then the Roman emperor had to have primacy in your life. And no one or no thing can be put before service to the emperor. And you would be subject to death if you did so. And that's why the Christians faced persecution because the Roman emperors and those who tried to serve them and gain favor with them could not understand this commitment that Christians give to their eternal God and did not understand that commitment to God in no way minimized their faithfulness to live as legal uh, and law-abiding citizens of Rome. And we even have that in the letters of Peter and, 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 uh, and, uh, uh, and, and Paul himself that urge us as Christians to be, good, to be good citizens of the world and the community in which we lived and to obey all legitimate laws. In fact, the epistles go so far as to say you cannot be a good Christian without being a good citizen. But the Roman Empire could not understand this. And it became politically expedient from time to time to persecute Christians because they had to put Jesus Christ as first in their life. And if they were summoned for some reason to come into the court of Caesar and to offer incense to him and to worship him as a god and they refused to do so, then they ran the risk of losing their life, their family, and everything. And there were many people in the early Christian church 
who were faced with that prospect and in their weakened human nature could not do it and denied Jesus Christ, turned their back on the gospel and acknowledged Caesar as their one and only God. And when these persecutions ceased, as they did very frequently, then these people who had gone before Caesar publicly and denied Jesus Christ came back to the Christian church, knocked on the door and said, we made a terrible mistake and we would like to be brought back in to the faith of God's people. And that's when the Christian church found out just how difficult it was to be faithful to the priority of Jesus Christ in their life. Because one of the primary teachings of Jesus Christ is forgiveness. That those people who had fallen short of their faithfulness and had turned away from the gospel that we had to forgive them and bring them back into the fold. And that's not an easy thing to do if in that same persecution you as a Christian might have lost a child or a parent or a spouse or a friend because those persecution knew no distinctions and Christians were rounded up and brought in and there was not a Christian family in the Roman Empire that had not been touched by persecution of having lost someone. And so to be ready to forgive and allow people to come back in was a very difficult thing to do. But that's one of the primary teachings of the gospel. That's one of the primary teachings of Jesus Christ, that we must forgive and that we must keep Jesus Christ first before us in our life. And so, yes, we may have lost a parent or a, or a child or a spouse or a friend, but that cannot keep us from forgiving and bringing people back in because we're all sinners and we all have received the gift of salvation, but that gift comes at a high price of faithfulness and that's what we're called to do today Jesus says I must be first in your life and you cannot allow these other things to come in and take the uh, uh, the primacy in your life that belongs only to God it's not easy to be a Christian and in our lifetime it's going to become more and more difficult as the culture in which we live becomes more and more antagonistic to Christianity. And yet we have to remain faithful. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. And that faithfulness is not that we're sent out to preach. See, I have the easy part. I come to preach to you. And it's easy for me to stand up here and preach to you. But you have to go out in the community and live that gospel it's not when you come out into the society they're not looking to you for what you say 
They're looking to you for what you do. How you live that Christian faith. How you make your choices in the society in which we live. And how when you're faced with those choices, you choose Jesus Christ and faithfulness to his gospel over any other things that might be offered that is quite acceptable in the culture in which we live but is not acceptable as a follower of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ tells us that he must have that primacy and that primacy must affect every decision that we make in our life. Now last week, Tyler spoke to us about the great commission that Jesus also gave before he left this world in which he deputized every Christian to bring the gospel of salvation to others, primarily by living it, but for those who are called to do so by preaching it. And in today's gospel, he gives us the authority by which we are able to go out and function for him. He says, whoever receives you as you come out and live the gospel and they see that gospel in you and you share it with them, whoever receives you receives me. Speaking of himself, Jesus Christ. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. That's the authority by which all of you are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, deputized to go out and to live the faith in such a way that it draws others. That's one of the primary foundational beliefs as Christian of how we are to live our life and make the ultimate choices that we all face uh, in our life. And that's something that all of us have to be uh, ready uh, to do. We're called to do that uh, as Christians. But as blunt as Jesus is in telling us that he has to have the primary place, and if we can't give him that, then we're not living faithfully to him. As much as that demand puts on us, he also closes that section by telling us something uh, that is very important for us. And that is that he looks upon the way that we live in relationship to others as an indication of the depth of the faith that we have in our hearts. That we are called to look for and to respond to the needs that we see around us. After all of these things, demands that Jesus made on us, he said, but let me tell you this, that anyone who gives even a cup of cold water in my name, whoever reaches out in love and concern and compassion to his fellow man will not lose his reward. Jesus said, Those difficult things may come from time to time, but it's by doing the simple and the easy things in life that we strengthen ourselves to prepare ourselves for the difficult things. So he's saying if you can be faithful in those smaller things, then they will give you the ability through the Holy Spirit 
not through your own power, but through the Holy Spirit, to be faithful when the difficult choices come. So Jesus says, know about these, but don't prolong your, uh, uh, your uh, uh, preoccupation with all the difficult choices that you ha- might have to make, but make sure that you're faithful in all of the small things of the Christian life because they're the ones that build up that strength and ability within you to be faithful. One of the names that's given to the Holy Spirit who leads our life in the church here on earth is the comforter. And it's unfortunate that that word connotes something different from what Jesus intended. Today, when we hear the word comforter, we think of a nice... uh, uh, comfortable um, Afghan or quilt that we can put around us and insulate us from the world and just make us feel good and fuzzy. But that's not what the Holy Spirit does. To comfort means to give strength, to give us the ability to build up that stamina within us by being faithful to the little calls that are made on our life that the Holy Spirit will allow that to build up our ability to where we may even surprise ourselves when we're faced with the hard decisions, we do those. So for the next 23 weeks, through the readings that are appointed uh, for our worship services, we're going to be looking now at the specific teachings of Jesus Christ on our life and how they apply to us, and how we are to live them. And what he's telling us now is that be aware of that primacy that you have committed yourself to as a Christian, and allow the Holy Spirit, through the worship that we have as we come together, and through the words of the preachers who will come before you to help you apply these things to your own individual lives, allow that to build up that strength and courage within you so that you can be faithful to the calling that Jesus brings us to. Try it. You'll like it. Amen?